0: The constant stress of living in the age of coronavirus is triggering anxiety and panic attacks in many people. Tonight we're speaking to a wife and mother who says these uncertain
1: times are taking a toll on her mental health. NBC6 reporter Arlene Borenstein has her story.
2: I live in a, like a a bubble of panic.
0: Melissa Chella began feeling anxiety and panic attacks at just seven years old. Saying episodes were triggered by 9-11, because the images of first responders on TV looked similar to her father, a Miami Dade police officer.
2: The building collapsed, and I knew at that moment, okay, he's not just serving his community, his job is potentially deadly.
0: Years later, Melissa, a wife and mom of two, has received therapy, but now is facing the pandemic with both her father and husband on the front lines as MDPD officers. She suffered a panic attack. 2 weeks ago
2: if you go through a full blown anxiety attack the next day you feel like you caught the coronavirus your throat hurts from hyperventilating and exhausting you know your windpipes from <gasps> doing a weird type of breathing situation that you've got going on it works differently for everybody for, for me i woke up and i had a sore throat and my body was aching And I,
0: my chest was tight. And more people are reporting similar experiences, according to healthcare professionals.
3: We have seen an increase in people calling both for panic attacks, and even if they're calling for other things like anxiety, they're then reporting that they have had panic attacks and that it is related to being quarantined or social distancing and not having control over their life.
0: For Melissa, she says positive thinking grounds her.
2: There's no control that I have over it and allowing it to sink into my brain and say I don't have control.
4: Out of control, that feeling of being out of control a couple months ago uh, when this whole pandemic thing started my my son Eli he's a senior in high school graduating senior was so frustrated and I, and we sat down one day and I just said he said what is upsetting you so much and and he said Deb, the, the musical I worked so hard to get the lead for the play and, and the musical not going to happen uh, senior prom not going to happen graduation not going to happen senior trip to disney world with the school not going to happen and and he said I feel so out of control and I'm so angry about it and and, and I asked him, I said, "He son, what is it?" that you're not in control of today, that you were actually in control of yesterday. And he said, well, all of that. I said, no, son, think about it. They weren't consulting you about any of those things yesterday. In fact, you are no less in control today than you were yesterday. The only thing that changed is the illusion of control. And that very thing, this realization that we are not and never have been in control in the United States of America has caused alcohol sales to go up 55% over the same time last year. Online sales of alcohol are up 300%. Porn is way up. Tinder swipes are off the charts. And Paul, the apostle Paul has some advice for us about all of this anxiety. In fact, let's pick up in chapter four of Philippians, the last chapter of Philippians, where we left off last time. And for the sake of time, jump down to verse 6, that's where we'll start today, and and listen to what he says, don't worry about anything. That's what Paul says, here's what I want you to get out of the center. don't worry. Question, how many of you have a worry problem? How many of you are dealing with some sort of anxiety? How many of you are feeling the pressure and and, and feeling the stress? And, and, And the truth is this before this pandemic, many of us, in fact, most of us were feeling it. And this whole pandemic thing took it from a seven or an eight all the way to an 11. And what Paul is doing here is addressing the heart of the matter. What he's doing is he's lining up his shot and he's aiming at the bullseye and he says, hey, 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 don't worry. And if we're honest, that advice not only seems ludicrous, it's maddening, isn't it? Cuz cuz Paul is saying, "Listen, if you get just one thing out of all of this, let it be don't worry." Because he knows that worry and anxiety are are obstacles, maybe the greatest obstacle to our uh, joy. In fact, go back one chapter in chapter 3, just turn the page back to chapter 3, where we were last week. Paul is building this idea, and he's starting with this. Remember chapter 3, verse 10, we looked at it. I want to know Christ circle that word in your Bible I want to know Christ and I want to experience not just hear about it, I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. He says, everything I do is about this one thing, knowing Christ. You and me, listen to me, we were made to know Jesus. We were purposed to glorify him. We were designed to enjoy him. And when we don't, when something is in the way, it dams up all of our joy. And Paul is saying, hey, I think I know what's keeping you from knowing Christ it's your anxiety. And our enemy, yours and mine, our enemy works really hard to try to keep us from knowing Christ and experiencing that resurrection power. And his strategy is not to get us to believe that God is not real. And his strategy is not to get us to believe that God is not worth uh, our time. As a matter of fact, he tells us, go ahead, go ahead and pursue God. Pursue God. Let, let's just illustrate this. Let's, let, let, let me just uh, pretend that this football represents you pursuing God because football is Uh, God's sport. And for some of you, football is your God. Either way, this will represent pursuing uh, God. And what the devil says is, go ahead, pursue God. But while you pursue God, hey, you might as well get a good uh, grade on the ACT, because when you get a good grade on the ACT, then then you can get into a good college. And when you get into a good college, while you're there, go ahead and get good grades so that you can get into grad school, and and then you can get an internship. And if you get a good internship, maybe you'll get a good job. And if you get a good job, then you have to decide where am I going to live and where am I going to live? Now I have a home. How am I going to decorate this home? Am I more of a modern guy or am I more of a mid-century guy? I don't know. And then you meet somebody and you start going on some dates. And while you're on a few dates, now you're going on a lot of dates. And then, oh my gosh, is this the one? And now you get married and, and and now you got new friends and new job and new home. And, and while you're doing all of that, all of a sudden, you get some news. We got kids coming into the mix. And when kids are coming into the mix, now all of a sudden you got diapers and you got formula and you got doctor bills and you got all of it. And what are my friends thinking? And I got to know that I gotta get on Facebook and Instagram and, and Snapchat and, and what is Snapchat? And do my is my kid on Snapchat? And, and, and all of a sudden now you got home bills and, and mortgages and all kinds of stuff. All right, 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 all right. but, but at no time. Do you ever think that intimacy with God is a waste of my time? It's that you get overwhelmed and you're trying to hold and catch and juggle all of these things and the things just keep coming and they start crowding out the one thing that is above all other things and the things aren't really the problem. Because if they were, the solution would be easy. Just stop doing the things and you won't worry. That we think it's doing too many things, and God, am I doing too much? Is it the kids, God? Just say the word. I'll, I'll drop them off and, and be done with this. So I, in fact, I remember uh, when, when our third, Ben, was born. He was a lot as a baby and as a child, but I remember journaling. In fact, I've gone back many times and read those journals where I literally wrote to God, I can't pastor this church, start this church, and be the dad to these three kids, so uh, you've you got to give me another job. And I was dead serious about it, but, but, but I don't believe that it's as much the things as it is our anxiety about the things. In fact, most of you stopped doing all the things two months ago. And for many of you, your anxiety didn't go down, it went up. And so it's not the things, it's how we think about the things. And Paul, when he says worry about nothing, he's just quoting Jesus, Jesus Christ. In fact, in Matthew 6, Jesus says the same thing. We studied this passage a couple of months ago. He says, worry about nothing, So what was his? What was Jesus' answer to worry? He says, seek first the kingdom. In other words, don't seek the stuff. Just seek me. Seek to know uh, me. Listen, the devil's greatest tool in sidetracking you from knowing Jesus is to fill your life with anxiety. Because you don't wake up one day saying, "I I don't believe in God anymore. It is a gradual, over time, carefully plotted plan to add and add and add until knowing Jesus is squeezed out of our lives. And and hear me, under no circumstances is your anxiety godly. And I know many of you have anxiety problems, and I know many of you have anxiety conditions. In fact, me just saying that phrase, anxiety is not godly, makes you anxious. Listen to what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. God is never the author of anxious thoughts. Anxiety is a tool of the devil. Why? Because it is a gateway to other sins. And when you are full of anxiety, what do you do? When you're full of anxiety, what does your flesh do? It never says, hey, what I need to do is slow down and seek Jesus. No, it pushes us deeper and deeper and into more and more uh, sin. As a student, you feel the pressure to perform. You're anxious to get good grades. So what do you do? You cheat. In your relationships, you feel anxiety about dating or you feel anxiety about not dating. So, so what do you do? You lower your standard. You, you may be in financial anxiety. Some of you are feeling that anxiety uh, at the moment. And, and the answer many times is to lash out at your spouse because you're just so confused and hurt and, and, and angry. Uh, maybe your anxiety is around being uh, liked. So you lie about yourself online or your anxiety is finding wholeness. So you end up with addictions. Maybe your anxiety is one thing or another, but here's what you need to know. Your anxiety will continually push you further and further away from God unless you deal with it. Now, now many of you at our church, you know Steve Ferris. He's preached for me on this stage several times. And and Steve was our uh, campus pastor at the Battle Creek Owasso campus. Steve and his wife, Michelle, uh, traveled with me to Israel back in January. And when we got back from that trip, Steve and I sat down and had lunch. And and he shared with me that he felt called by God to go be a senior pastor uh, somewhere at some church. And and, and so he and I were on that path together, working that path. and, and, And then literally as this whole Pandemic hit. Another storm hit Steve's life. In fact, on March 13th, right before this whole thing played out, uh, Pastor Steve reached out to his supervisor, uh, Matt Ward, uh, to share that he was not in a good place and that he needed some serious help. And, and, and through that, we came to find out that since 2004, uh, Steve has off and on battled severe anxiety and severe depression. In fact, in, in 2012, he, he had the first of a bunch of uh, major surgeries that left him addicted to painkillers and eventually to alcohol. to to numb not only the physical pain he was experiencing, but also his anxiety and and his depression. And and on March 24th, as we we were learning about this personal crisis, his personal crisis, uh, because we're committed to him and we're committed to the Big C Church, we we wanted to send him out healthy. So we're committed to get him to that place, to to the place of health. So we helped Steve enter a Christ-centered inpatient treatment center in Florida. Where he spent the next month addressing some of the very things we're talking about today. So I've invited Steve back today uh, to share part of his story to give us an update on how he is doing. So uh, Steve, come on up, come on up and, and join us if you will, and uh, let's just let's sit here and talk for just a minute. Yeah. In fact, Steve, go ahead. Just as a way of introduction, just just tell the people what's been going on with you and where where you've been.
1: Yeah. You know. Like a lot of people who deal with something like this, on the outside, I looked normal. In fact, that weekend that you're talking about, I was preparing to preach yeah. at the Owasso campus right. Jonah. on Jonah chapter three. Yeah. Uh, but on the inside, I was a complete, total wreck. Mm. Uh, in fact, the night that I raised my hand, I was coming off a three or four day binge of pills and alcohol where I didn't sleep. For four days. And wow. I finally crashed, woke up from a nap, incredibly anxious. And that's one of the things that substances do. They do medicate your anxiety for a moment. yeah. But then there's this thing called rebound anxiety. And I woke up, I was really anxious. And I called one of my good friends at the Owasso campus. I said, will you come up and, mm-hmm. and have dinner with me and just be with me? Michelle was out of town and So one of the things I do sometimes when I'm anxious, I'll go work out. So I went to the gym, jumped on the treadmill, and I was listening to this uh, pastor in Colorado that I really like, and he was teaching on the prodigal son. Mm. And he comes to the part in that passage where the Bible says, and then he, the prodigal son, came to his senses. Mm. And the pastor said this, and God used it so monumentally in my life. He said, that phrase could be translated and then he remembered who he was and in that moment yeah God spoke to my heart and said this is not who you are it's not who I created you to be and and for me anxiety and depression I feel like they've been a part of my life mm. my whole adult life and you anxiety just, you it, thought it was your voice you thought it was God's voice yeah, yeah I thought it was yeah. normal you know for me anxiety was like following a million of the most hateful, negative social media accounts in the world, and wow. you can't find the unfollow button. And depression was kind of like this pit that you fall into, this deep, dark pit. And maybe it's an event in your life, or maybe you just wake up one day and you go, I- I've lost myself, I don't know how I am anymore. But for me, it was like I was in this deep, dark pit and I, I couldn't find a ladder. And when you're in that situation, you know you're not 100%, yeah. and you know you need to do something, but you don't know how to explain it to somebody, and you're terrified to say anything because of what the consequences might be. It's a deadly cycle. Wow. Well, well Steve,
4: what would you say through this whole journey are a couple of things you've learned about yourself? Maybe you learned about anxiety, depression, yeah. uh, substance
1: abuse. Just what are some in the last month that you've learned? Um, Man, I learned so much. Uh, I think one of the big things that was a point of freedom for me is that I learned that I'm not crazy. And and, you know, this message is on Philippians chapter 4 and it's perfect because the Apostle Paul tells us to think on these things, whatever is true and right and pure. And anxiety and depression are tools the enemy uses to lie to us, and and that's what I was believing was this lie that, man, you're crazy. I I would think crazy thoughts, Alex, like I would walk out of a room and shut the door behind me, and if the door didn't shut right, I would annihilate myself and say something in my head like, you're pathetic, Ferris, you can't even shut a door right. It was those kinds of things, and and so, uh, Realizing that anxiety and depression are this thing that millions of people deal with, that was very freeing. It's everywhere. Uh, I think another thing that I learned is I learned that asking for help, though it's scary, Mm -hmm. and I won't pretend it's not, is absolutely the best gift I could have ever given myself. Because uh, the enemy, he's going to do whatever he can to keep you from getting help because he knows if you get help, then you'll find health and you'll find joy mm. and he does not want you to find joy he because he hates you and he came to kill mm. steal and destroy and and so that that was good too but for me probably the biggest thing that i learned throughout this whole process is that no matter what road you're on no matter how deep and dark the pit is that you have fallen into mm. god is there with you yeah you know his presence is is powerful. We we teach and hear he's
4: omnipresent, and that just seems so weird, so far, so clinical. Uh, you know, we we were watching the Jordan documentary called The Last Dance, and one of the things that the uh, one of the quotes from the documentary is the reason Jordan was so great is that he was always present. At practice, he was present. In the game, he was present. Wherever he was present. And, and uh, that's amazing thought to think through that, the gift of his presence and, and greatness as a result of us being present. Well, The, the reason that's true is because God is present. Yeah. He's not just omnipresent, right, that he remembers the past, he sees the present and knows the future. That, that, that sounds good, but, but he's, he's over all time. Yeah. He, he, he doesn't exist in time. He's over time. And so not only does he remember the past and, and see the present and know, the future, he's in it. He's already there. He's waiting on you. He's meeting you. He's there for you. He's present.
1: Yeah, and I would add that while he's there with you in that pit that I call it, he's not mad at you. Yeah, He hasn't given up on you. And in fact, God invented the extension ladder. Yeah. If you'll just trust his process he, he's the one that can get you out yeah, of that hole. And He wants to,
4: right? So, Steve, what what would you say then to people out here watching, people in our church, people all over the world that are watching today who have a loved one who, who is struggling with some of the similar things that you're struggling with or we're struggling with? What, what would you say to those who have a loved one in that boat? Yeah,
1: that's really good. I think, first of all, I I would validate what they're feeling because anxiety, depression, substance abuse, self-medication, all those things have collateral damage. So it's not just the person that's walking through that journey. It impacts in a, sometimes a very negative way, a lot of people around them. And so I would say to someone who has a loved one walking through this, that your feelings are real. but I would encourage you to do a couple things. First of all, be patient because yeah. the person that you love that's walking through this, they're not doing this to make your life miserable. They're, they're, they're gasping for air. They're, they're trying to figure out how to stay afloat in this mm-hmm. thing. And so be patient with them. Educate yourself on whatever it is that your loved one is going through. If it's anxiety and depression, go to school on that mm-hmm. and find out as much as you can about how it works how anxiety and depression work and how it's impacting the brain and the heart of the person that that you love so yeah. I'd say that i would caution against one thing though if you if you have someone in your life that battles especially anxiety mm-hmm. please please don't say to them well, just stop thinking about it. Just stop worrying. Yeah. Because if they could, they would. Right. And telling them to just don't worry is like inviting gasoline to a fireworks show. Yeah. At first blush, by the way,
4: it's that seems like what Paul is doing here in chapter 4 is to say, hey, just don't worry. It's not what he's saying, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But, but Steve, what would you say to someone listening today who is right where you were uh, two months ago, whether it's anxiety or depression or substance addiction, what, what would you just, just look into the camera if you would, just tell yeah. them
1: what you would say to them. Yeah, man. I think what I would say is a couple things. First of all, if you're listening today and you're struggling with this and you're hearing me tell my story, and you're going that that's my story. Hmm. I would say to you, you're not alone. Yeah. I know it feels like you are. It feels scary but you are not alone. One of the things I'm so grateful for, Alex, is how Battle Creek Mm. uh, has wrapped their arms around Michelle and I, especially our Owasso campus, and Matt Ward and some of the other campus pastors, Mm. uh, we have felt so loved. And when you isolate yourself, you do feel alone. Mm. And letting those people in and letting them love you uh, Man, it's one of the greatest things I could encourage you to do. Mm. Second thing I would tell you is there is hope. This is not a death sentence. Mm. It's not a life sentence. You don't have to live like this forever. There's hope. But to, to gain that hope back, you're going to have to raise your hand mm. and ask for help. And... I, I got that T-shirt, and I know how scary that is because you're thinking, this is going to cost me everything. It's mm. going to cost me my job or money or the embarrassment of people finding out that I'm walking through this. But mm. the reality is, if you don't get some help, mm. it could cost you your life. Yeah, and we've seen that yeah, all over yeah. the country, right? And, yeah. and, and you got to realize that getting help as scary as it may be, as hard as it may be, as tall as the ladder may be that you yeah. got to use to climb out of that pit, that's the only way you're going to get your life back. This, this uh, mirage of telling yourself and coaching yourself up that, hey, I got this, I can handle this, I'm good. Yeah. While you're telling yourself that, the hole's only getting deeper. In yeah, you
4: know, in fact, you're saying that probably half a dozen times in the last year. Uh, you said to me personally, how are you doing? And you would say, hey, I'm better than I've ever been in my whole life, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's me coaching myself up and trying to convince myself that it was okay. Yeah. So, Steve, just what's next for you and how can we pray for you? Uh, I have no idea what God's up to. Mm. Uh, We're going to go to Texas, spend some time with Michelle's mom, who I love deeply, and just rest, yeah. catch our breath a little bit and wait for God to tell us what yeah. is next. And, and you mentioned earlier about Eli and this control thing. And I think one of the blessings of God forcing your hand to where you have no control, there's an amazing piece that yeah. comes. Philippians 4 yeah. also talks about is that there's this piece of going, I have no idea, but I know the guy who does know. Mm. And he's going to take care of this, and it's going to be great. He's going to use me. He's going to use my story. Yeah. And yes, today notice. I pray yes today. Yeah, yeah. amen. amen. I, yeah. I, I can't. I can't wait to see how that unfolds yeah.
4: Let me let me let me just come over here and pray for you yeah, if man, I could. Thanks, just yeah, Let me just put my hands on you here, Lord. Uh, you just join me if you would, Lord. We we pray right now for my friend Steve and brother in Christ, his wife Michelle. Uh, Father, I pray uh, for the next steps in the journey. Uh, We don't know. He doesn't know. But we are confident that we know the one who does know. You know. You you know the plans. And, God, we thank you today that those plans are to prosper, not to harm. And you want to use him in a mighty way. You have and and you will. And and so, Father, I I just even, while I'm praying, think about how greatly you've used him in the midst of trial and struggle and, and, and even addiction uh, anxiety and depression, Well, I can't imagine what you're going to do with him uh, with a clear head and, and with peace and, and with a mind and a heart that are guarded. And, and so, Father, we do pray for the next step. And we do pray for that next ministry assignment when it comes. That Even now, you would begin preparing that church uh, for uh, their new pastor. And Father, we believe that the kingdom is going to grow and she'll bless this family. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we all say, amen. 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 Thanks, buddy. I love you, buddy. love you, Appreciate buddy. you. Love yeah. you too, man. See, what we do is we keep trying to take care of our anxiety in one way or another. In fact, it's interesting to me that the two best-selling drugs on the market in America today are an antidepressant and an antacid which says we can't deal with the problem or the results of our anxiety. And so how do we deal with our anxiety? What's the key and what's the answer? And the good news is, is Paul doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't just say, don't worry. In fact, he doesn't just say, don't worry about anything. Let's keep reading that verse. He says, instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. That, that word everything, where, where have we heard that word before? Well, we started this series with that word all the way back. Chapter one, turn back a couple of pages. It's, it's chapter one and, and verse 12. And, and Paul says, and I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that Everything. There's that word. That everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. We talked about this. What what was everything? His imprisonment, his beatings, every cold night spent, locked up in a cell, every time he faced death. Paul could be in prison and have joy because he took everything to God. And God took his everything and made it worthwhile. In fact, I want you to write this down if you would. Write this down uh, in, in your notes. Worry about no thing. nothing, nothing. W- worry about nothing, pray about everything. You, you want a tip? Worry about nothing, pray about everything. What does that even mean? Well, well, look at it in verse six. Look at what he says Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Literally uh, make your needs known to God. That's the passive uh, voice. It's so interesting to me that that's passive voice. In In other words, you aren't the one doing the action. The need is. The, the, the need wants to be made known. The need wants to rise to the top. It, it, it's like when you take a, a, a beach ball or, or balloons and, and you try to shove them under the water in a swimming pool. And you, you want to push them all under the water. And so you keep pushing them down. And you push them down. And what do they do? They try to rise up against you. And, and, and these needs are pushing against you. They're coming up from your your, your stomach, and, and our needs are just like that. They want to go up to God, and you're pushing them down and pushing them down and pushing them down, and you're eating your feelings, and you're sweating your worries, but, but they want to go up. That care was wired by God to want to go up. You, you, you just need to release it, And let it go up to God where it wants to go. You weren't designed to carry it. You you weren't designed to leave that on your shoulders. God was, and and he designed even those needs to want to go there. Look, the answer to your cares is not saying, I don't care. That's not the answer. Uh, You you don't just take your cares and just throw them away. You have to do something with them. And, And what does God say that he wants you to do with them? He says, cast your cares on me. Let them come up to me. There is something about putting words to our worries that gives them flight and releases them. There's a clinical thing of it going from back here, your emotion part of your brain, up here to the logical part of your brain just by saying it out loud because your brain heard what you were dealing with. It's almost like you can breathe again. But it's not just about letting go of something. You have to also take hold of something else or those things will come back. Paul, I'm sorry, David says in in, in Psalm 55, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. In other words, he he doesn't just want to take the cares off of you. He wants to put something back on you that will sustain you. We, we, we cast off our anxiety, but we take on a right attitude, a, a right mindset with, with our thoughts. Uh, verses 8 and 9, Steve mentioned this. We, we preached through this very verse just a few months ago uh, about fixing your thoughts or, or riding our heads. Remember, whatever is true and whatever is noble, that's God. Think on those things, right? What, whatever is pure and lovely, that's us in, in Christ, right? The, the thought of, you can't even shut it door that's not pure and lovely that's not god's voice it's not your voice that's the voice of the enemy right and, and, and if anything is excellent or praiseworthy that's how we end up thinking about others when we think of god first and then ourselves in christ and then others right i i, I don't i'm not going to go through every single one of those today cuz we did it just a few months ago you can go back and watch it but let me just show you how to get your mind there look, look at the end of verse 6 again and, and look at what he says, he says, tell God what you need. That, that's supplication. Tell God what you need and thank him. Thanksgiving, thank him for what he has done. Thanksgiving, write that down in your Bible. That's the pathway to having the right thoughts and the right attitudes. When, when we stay thankful, though we may be concerned, worry and anxiety are not invited to the party. Listen, we, we release our worries and we embrace God's goodness in thanksgiving. That, that's the key to seeking his kingdom uh, first. And, and, and then take a look at, at verse 7, if you will. And, and he says, Then, and the NLT, which I read from and preach from, it says, If you do this then. In other words, not before, only then. If then. If you do these things, then you will experience. Remember what he said in chapter three, I want to know and experience. I want to experience it. I want to taste it. I don't just want to hear about it or read about it. Experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. We can't understand it We can't even believe it, but it is undeniable. Look at what it says he will do. He will guard your hearts. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, with all these balls, when we begin our day carrying stuff from yesterday, and our arms are already heavy with stuff for tomorrow. And that's before we ever look at our calendar for today. That is a recipe for disaster. But, but if we would, in those moments, cast our cares on God and walk in thankfulness, th- then He will give us peace. And it's not just a peace, I- I'm glad that's over kind of peace. It's a peace that, according to Paul, will protect your heart and will protect your mind. And let me just encourage you today, raise your hand. You heard Steve say it, raise your hand. There are people all over the world watching this service right now. And I want to say to you, I love you, but more importantly, I want to say to you, God loves you. And even though we may not know each other personally, one-on-one, maybe, I'm praying for you, we are praying for you. And if you're in a faith family in another state or another country, would you contact your pastor? Tell someone in your life what you're dealing with. Don't just sit. Actively seek help. And if you're here in the Tulsa area and you attend one of the Battle Creek campuses, would you reach out to your campus pastor? He loves you and wants to connect you to the resources of God and the resources within our church. If you're in a community group, share with your group what's going on or at least share with the leader what's happening in your heart. We're so blessed to have so many gifted counselors on our staff and as a part of our lay team uh, led by Pastor John Wheeler. And God has blessed us with relationships with people who attend our church who are professional counselors and great services here all over the Tulsa area. And I say all of that to say this, there is help available to you and you are not alone. And you have to take the action. You have to take the next step because the recipe for joy is also the remedy for anxiety. Would you pray with me? And even though you're watching a video today, would you bow your heads? Would you physically, would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes and would you join me in this prayer? And if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior, I want to lead you in a prayer helping you do that. In fact, I'm going to ask that you pray it out loud as an encouragement to you. Everybody in the room that you're in, whether they've done this before or not, I want them to pray it out loud with you. And so everybody watching, wherever you're watching from, would you just pray this prayer out loud? If you want to trust Jesus, especially you, pray this out loud. Would you just pray and say, dear God, I know I am a sinner, but today I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. Cleanse me of all of my sin. Come into my life to be my Lord. You call the shots in my life to be my Savior and to be my forgiver in the best way that I know how. I trust you alone, Jesus, to save me. Thank you for saving me. And before I say amen, only those who just prayed that prayer and meant it with all of their heart, would you just look up at me? Just look up right now. Just look at your television. Look at your iPad. Look at your phone. Look at your device. Just look at me, and I just want to say to you, congratulations smartest decision you have ever made in your life is to receive the salvation that comes in the person of Jesus Christ. And if you did that, and if you meant that, would you just take your cell phone right now, and I want you just to type the word decision, the word decision, and text it to 555-888. Text Decision to 555 888. If you're watching on our website, on our web stream, click over there where it says Live Prayer or where it says uh, Raise My Hand over in the comment section. Click that button. Either way, uh, text the word Decision to 555 888. Go ahead and do that right now. Go ahead and do that right now. Text it. We want to help you. We want to encourage you in in your new faith walk and in your new journey with Jesus or click Raise Hand on, on our website. Do either of those two things so that we can get to know you and help you on this faith journey. Congratulations to the rest of you with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, today, encourage your church, encourage your bride. We receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we all say amen and amen. Listen, this is coming, I I hope, very, very soon uh, to a close of us recording these messages in an Worship Center that has three people in it. Uh, uh, Next weekend, May 31st, our good friend Ted Cunningham will be with us, and and he's going to teach... In fact, he's going to come and teach our all staff live uh, on Wednesday the 27th, and and we'll show it on the 31st, and so it'll it'll be before a live audience, and he's going to make us laugh. We need to laugh uh, as we're kind of turning the corner into the next chapter of this whole thing. And then here's our prayer. On June 7th, uh, the way that we understand it, June 1, Tulsa will enter enter phase 3, where there are no restrictions, and we can do child care and kids' church and all of those kinds of things. So what we're going to do on week one, and hear me, I'm not committing to anything for six months, not even for six weeks, not even for two weeks. On June 7th, what I'm telling you right now, the plan is for that one week is for us to gather at the Broken Arrow campus, all campuses. If you want to come live, you come to the Broken Arrow campus. If you're a volunteer at one of the campuses, you're planning on volunteering, come volunteer at the Broken Arrow campus, and let's ease into this thing. Here's what we're going to do. God has told me uh, to, to for us to stop take all the series, all the moments. In fact, for over a year, typically I would have had nine guests booked this summer, but no point during this year did I have any peace about pulling the trigger and booking any of these guests. And and, and so I'm going to be here the lion's share of the summer. We're going to go through the book of Acts. That's the narrative of Jesus uh, uh, and the Holy Spirit coming and the church being birthed right after the gospel. So we're going to read that narrative. We're going to ask God, what are you saying? What are you doing? We're calling the series Reset. This is a moment for us to reset the church. Spiritually, all of our hearts need to reset, but strategically, we need to reset. And we need to say, just because we've done it before doesn't mean that's the way to do it. Just because that's the way we've always done it doesn't mean that's the way to do it. We just want to, with open hands, say to the Holy Spirit, what would you have us to do? Week one, in the book of Acts, June 7th, all live people come to the Broken Arrow campus. If you're still social distancing watch online, and we'll begin to take baby steps. But take baby steps, okay? Don't just watch online in your pajamas anymore. Get up, get dressed. Start taking baby steps. Maybe get in your car and drive to a campus and watch on your phone at that campus. But, but let's take baby steps towards re-entering and watching what God wants to do with our church. I'm so excited just to hold all this with open hands. We're not in control, right? That's where real joy and peace comes from. We're not in control. God, what are you doing? What are you saying? Let, let, let's ask him together. I love you. We'll
5: see you very, very soon. What an incredible message by Pastor Alex. Shout out to our founding and senior pastor. Also shout out to Pastor Steve for his openness and vulnerability. We've got some takeaways. And so Kate, what were some of your takeaways from this message?
3: Yeah, I loved how Pastor Alex talks about this idea of worry about no thing, but pray about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it's not about willing yourself out of worry because mm-hmm. that's impossible, yeah. right. but it is about replacing that worry with prayer. Right. And if we can good. go to the Lord, how how incredibly beneficial that is for our own hearts and mm-hmm. our own health. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I love that word. It was good for me yeah. even this
6: week.
5: Love yeah. it. Awesome. Pastor yeah. Josiah?
6: Yeah, I just, you know, it was an honor to walk with Pastor Steve through this mm-hmm. and kind of just mm-hmm. being there. and. Uh, amazing to see God just do what he did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you heard it. And, and just him to come out and say, hey, this is what God's doing. You need to hear my story, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, uh, uh, no matter the position or, or, or where you're at in life or what stage in life, it's okay to struggle. Yeah. That, that's That's okay. But what is not okay is not to get help, is not to be right. in a community group, not to be open with people and yeah. say, how, how can we continue to walk in holy or in our pursuit of holiness? Of course, and so of course. uh it, it's just super impactful for me. Yeah. and just to hear that and to hear him come out of it and just saying, Man, I, I'm in a place that is just like I've never been before. Mm-hmm. Right. And just see God's transform his life into you know, it's just it's been awesome. So that's that's been yeah. you know, it's touched my life for and, sure. and just something to look through and just like, man, he's Uh, someone I look up to and just like man that's that's awesome And, and just the courage it took uh, to take that step for sure yeah. and for sure say this is for the best of
5: me and my family
6: mm-hmm. absolutely
5: uh, and what i'm doing so that's awesome love it i think for me the takeaway one of the things that really stuck with me was that balloon illustration representing yeah. our cares like we're not our cares aren't designed for us to hold them yeah. and they naturally want to go up to god anyway so all we really have to do is just let go and you know really cast them on him yeah. because they're designed to come to him anyway and so i really love the way that we did that illustration because it um i got it it made it made a lot of sense so yeah. that was one of the biggest takeaways for me yeah. now now, Kate has some things that are happening in the life in the church that she wants to let you guys know about.
3: Absolutely. So the first thing is this incredible four-week class that we offer here at Battle Creek Church to help you advance in your journey with Christ. And it's pretty simple, we call it advanced track because it does just that, helps you advance in your journey with Christ. So it helps you know God, find freedom, Mm -hmm. discover your purpose and make a global difference. So we would love for you to join us for this class. It is online, it is germ-free, all the things that your heart needs, you know? So hop on with us, you can find out more information and register for this class at battlecreekchurch.com backslash advance. So come check that out with us. Yeah. We know that your life is gonna be changed because of it.
2: Absolutely.
3: The next cool thing is next Sunday, yes. so May 31st, we have an incredible special guest coming and joining us uh, here at church and his name is Ted Cunningham. Yeah. He is a good friend of Pastor Alex, yeah. he's a good friend of our church. Uh, we're gonna laugh together, we're gonna yeah. learn it together and it is gonna be such a fun time. So would you please plan to join us next weekend for Ted Cunningham as he comes and brings the word to us the Sunday right after that there's so many good things happening yes the Sunday right after that pastor Alex is gonna begin a brand new series called reset and it's a Mm. study in the book of Acts and truthfully, if there's ever been a time to reset it's now now. yes so I'm really really excited for what God's gonna teach us and show us as a church Through this brand new series called Reset. So make sure you're here next week and the week after that Mm -hmm. because we
6: got good stuff coming. And the week after
3: that. And the week after 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 that. that. You know, (laughs) if you just keep coming, it works
5: out. Like that's just basically what you should do with your life. Um, So we want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. We want to let you know that here at Battle Creek Church, we are here for you. We're here to help you. And so if you may be giving your life to Christ recently or if you need a prayer or any way that we can come around you, we want to invite you to text the word Battle Creek Church to 555 888. And we'd love to come alongside you in and with your journey, and so we want to thank you guys so much for checking out the online experience at Battle Creek Church. Josiah has a customary way that he sends off his people at downtown, and so I'm gonna turn it over to you to do that. Yeah, us, we good do. Sir.
6: We do two things every week at downtown. The first one is, hey, meet somebody new. We know you're on an online platform, maybe be difficult. Just message uh, somebody you don't know. Yeah, it's but funny. hey, shout out on here on the chat, or maybe you join Advanced Trek. Yeah. Or you join something this week yeah. to do that. And the second thing we say is, invite somebody next week. Uh, Pastor Ted's got an amazing word, so come back next week. Uh, we love y'all. And we'll see you next week. Next week.